The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant, 7 to 10 a.m. minutes past nine and as always on a Sunday with the JSB we go into our guest presenter we talk to them about the books they're reading, we talk to them about the music that uh, they'd like us to play and uh, we talk to them about the world that they live in as well this is someone that actually needs no introduction whatsoever human rights and anti-apartheid activist, lawyer, writer former chief justice or former justice. He's a constitutional court justice. You know him as Justice Albie Sachs. He has, and uh, did some research here, I think it's over 20 honourable... Let's have a look. Let, let me get the number to be exact. He has over 20-something... 20 27 honorary doctorates, and I'm sure by now he holds a whole load more. So if we had to say Justice Albie Sachs, we'd be going... Justice Doctor, 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 27 times Albie Sachs, because that is quite extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Who is he? What's he all about? Well, we're going to start with his first song, and from there, who knows where the conversation goes. Well, if that doesn't leave you with goosebumps and even tears in your eyes, then whew, your heart is hardened. Spongile Kumalo and uh, her cover of Plea for Africa. The song was originally written by John Knox Bokwe, who was not only a journalist, but also a Presbyterian minister. And uh, he wrote that particular song in uh, the, I think it was the late 1800s. Uh, I think I may be slightly incorrect there. Nevertheless, that's the choice of our guest today, Justice Dr. 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 Albie Sachs. If I may call you Albie, I hope uh, that's in order. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it's a request from me, please do. I know you're Michelle, uh, and uh, it's it's really exciting for me to be on this program. Uh, you you've got that thing that that uh, Sibongili has. She puts herself into her singing, and you put yourself into your engaging uh, with the issues. Oh, thank you so much, LB. You you have chosen that as your first song, and. Wow, you know, I, we love this part of the show because recording it, in progress. It really does talk to us about why people choose songs, why they choose particular songs, what they mean to them personally. Talk to us about "Plea for Africa." Uh, I was actually looking for another song by her where she sings Bach. Sheep may safely grays uh, in the sort of classical way and then she zuluizes it and then she goes back to the classical way it was the way that Sibongili could move in any genre of music with equal freedom and joy and and, and expression it wasn't saying uh, to be afrocentered you have to be hostile to the music of the whole world as an African woman, she could engage with the music of the whole world. It was quite remarkable. Anyway, then I hit upon this song of Africa, and we had a choir when we were in exile in Maputo uh, yeah. that would sing that song very, very, very beautifully. Uh, and and so it just brought back those memories. The version I was actually looking for that I found uh, shows her singing so beautifully, but it also then she goes into a kind of a, what do they call it, a riff? 
uh, and and Hugh Masekera comes in with the trumpet, and then they go back to the solemn thing. Yes. But but yes. as you say, just hearing her singing there, hearing the choir, uh, it's like a century of of suffering, uh, of of idealism, uh, of hope, of of togetherness, uh, and and uh, it was for me very very moving to hear it at the beginning of this interview. You know, you know, Albie, um, a while back we interviewed um, Mandla Langer and he chose some songs that meant an enormous amount to him whilst he was in exile. And it makes me think, as I listen to you, about the power of music to keep one tied so strongly to one's own to one's own country, that kind of golden thread that you could be in Maputo, you could be somewhere else, you could be in Tanzania, and yet the music will take you straight back home. Absolutely, and and you know I'm not musical. I love music, uh, but I belong to a movement, a liberation movement, where music was there all the time, everywhere, and and. Often very sad moments, you know, we buried many people in the cemetery in Maputo. Uh, we buried the people killed in the Matola raid. We buried Ruth first. We buried Moses Mabida, who, who died of natural causes. And always there would be the singing and singing and singing. Uh, and it was it was like unifying. It was expressive. Uh, it was affirmative. Uh, and it was very, very, very South African. The Mozambicans could dance uh, in ways that were quite extraordinary, better than us. But we could sing better than I'd say anybody in the world. And we were in exile all over the world. Just some of the South African voices uh, just came through uh, that that it was soulful and and significant and emotional uh, unity uh, coming allied with a sense of beauty. Uh, and affirmation and, and dignity. You know, Albie, there's so many paths that you and I could tread in this interview. And I was thinking about it last night when I was preparing was, where does one go? And there's so many places to go. But I'm going to go with you, if I may, and uh, go with this idea of of music and culture as it was in a time of exile. And the reason I want to go there is to talk to you about something which you have covered uh, many times, but but I think is, has value in covering again. You wrote a paper called Preparing Ourselves for Freedom. Um, it was part of um, a published book, uh, Protecting Human Rights in South Africa. And it looked at the concept of culture. I mean, the ANC had said culture is a weapon of struggle, but you in fact argued that it is much more complex and ambiguous. And and I'm thinking of that because I'm thinking about what Philippa Yard de Villiers was saying a little bit earlier about writing poetry and its function, or it's not function, if I can put it that way. Yes, uh, you know, I, I said for years, uh, culture is a weapon of struggle, and the artists must join in the struggle, and and we must use culture to affirm ourselves and to, to destroy the ugliness of apartheid. But when I attended a an exhibition in Stockholm of artists from Southern Africa, uh, it was at the Kulturu set. The Swedes gave us enormous support at, in, in, in the exile days. Uh, the Swedes went around. This was artwork from Angola, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. 
Uh, and each person there said, art is a weapon of struggle. Uh, culture is a weapon of struggle, sometimes instrument of struggle. And I said, please, you say nothing about the work. Engage with the work. If you like it, say you like it. If you don't like <laughs> it, say you don't like it. If you don't understand, ask us. Uh, so I said, we must ban for five years the phrase, art is a weapon of struggle. I said, now, I'm against censorship. And, of course, I said it with tongue-in-cheek. Uh, culture is a weapon of struggle. Of course it's that, but you can't reduce it simply to a weapon of struggle. Uh, it, it's much richer uh, and it's much more powerful than that sloganistic presentation. Uh, and I went on to say, you know, if you look at some of our writing, yeah. you can tell who the good people are, the freedom fighters, because they're handsome and they're good and they're brave and virtuous. And you can tell who the enemy are because they are, are ugly and horrible and mean. Uh, that's, that's kind of so superficial. We have problems in our own ranks. There's got to be some good in the enemy if we're going to live together with them one day. Uh, and, and a weapon has to fire boom, 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 straight. But culture is related to complexity and, and uh, sometimes to horror and to fun and to laughter and to paradox. Uh, and we mustn't cut ourselves off from all these rich sources of, of expression and, and affirmation. Uh, of course, that, that statement we must ban for five years saying culture's weapon of struggle created a, a kind of an explosion <laughs> uh, at the ANC conference where, where, where it was discussed and debated. Uh, and and uh, I kind of joked afterwards, one of the points I made uh, in that statement, if, if you look at ANC literature, you'd feel you never make love once you join the struggle, you never make love. Uh, and when comrades go to bed at night, they discuss the future of the white working class that that was something I heard from one of our comrades, uh, the, the wife of one of our comrades, who said, you know, I'm not interested in the future of the white working class. I, I'm interested in horses, she said. She was a very, very brave person. Uh, so I said that as a joke, and now the joke was, well, when they go to bed at night, instead of making love, they discuss uh, L.B. Sachs's paper on, on, on culture. <laughs> um, so... so it gives a whole new meaning to the concept The idea of was to, if you like... <laughs> Sorry, Justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was kind of lighten up, be more expressive, be bolder, be willing to look at the weaknesses and failures and contradictions in our own ranks and, and also to the multiple characteristics of the people we're fighting against. Uh, if we want to... It was preparing ourselves for freedom. If we want to enjoy our freedom and maximize the advantages that freedom gives us in the new South Africa. We need this full range of, of expressivity. Uh, unfortunately, my statement was reduced to simply saying, uh, Albie Sachs agrees that art and politics have nothing to do with each other. And of course, uh, that was completely the opposite of what I was getting at. Do you think, um, because we know that you wrote The Soft Vengeance of a Freedom Fighter and you wrote that, wrote that particular book whilst you were in the UK post the bomb blast where you were blinded and lost your arm in Mozambique. Do, do you see the idea of soft vengeance as something which is linked to what you've just been talking about as a much broader concept than simply uh, 
seeing justice being done, but perhaps being more extensive around narrative, storytelling, shifting the way people think because of the words that are said? Uh, I can, now that you mention it, I can see a connection between the paper I wrote that was after the bomb, in fact, uh, on, on preparing ourselves for freedom and the theme of soft vengeance. Uh, it, you know, Michelle, in, in, a, in a strange way, it was as if the bomb blowing off my arm and blinding me one eye liberated me yeah. to say what I wanted, how I deeply felt, uh, and, and let the people call me bourgeois or whatever, you know. Uh, this is how I see the world. Uh, and when I got a letter when I was lying in the hospital bed recovering, saying, don't worry, Comrade Albie, we will avenge you. I thought, avenge me? We're going to cut off the arm blind in one eye? Is that the country we want? If we get freedom, if we get democracy, we get the rule of law, that will be my soft vengeance. Roses and lilies will grow out of my arm. It was very affirmative. So it's not like a soft turning the other cheek, uh, being meek and mild. It's, it's saying, yes, this is who we are, this is what we believe in. We don't take our values from the people trying to kill us, who are torturing us, who, who are trying to diminish us. We take our values from our inner strength, uh, our, our human solidarity. We didn't use the word Ubuntu in those days, but it fits in very much with that. Uh, and, and it's actually strong. It, it's a kind of a generosity of spirit, if you like, that sweep people along with you. Uh, that's very unifying uh, and much stronger than the crude, brutal ugliness of, of the, the people simply trying to repress us. Uh, so I found it actually worked out in practice, uh, coming back and helping to write the new constitution, soft vengeance, that's powerful. Uh, voting as an equal for the first time, that's powerful. Mm. Uh, yeah. Being on the constitutional court upholding the values we've been fighting for uh, that's powerful uh, having a beautiful building in the heart of an old prison that's powerful uh, this is all for me a continuation of the themes of soft vengeance filling that building with beautiful artwork and and puzzling artwork and 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 creative uh, and, and and contradictory uh, and, and mesmerizing uh, and 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 uh, awkward artwork uh, was all part of what I regarded as as soft vengeance. If I was an artist, I would immediately go out and and try and take up this beautiful image you've got of roses and lilies growing out your arm. I mean, it just is an incredibly incredibly beautiful image that I have to say thank you if we look at some of the images that you selected and uh, worked on and did some really really great work with um, the constitutional court artwork collection which are the images there that um, still maybe are planted in your heart and growing from seeds to beautiful lilies and roses but whether it's through pain or not which of those artworks really strike you as something that resounds and sits potently in the constitutional court. Right, and that's an interesting question because immediately I don't want to abstract one work. Uh, you know, it's the diversity, the multiple voices, a collection that collected itself. 
because we had to take what what people offered us. Uh, it was very random in that sense. But I think the the absolute standout has to be the blue dress. Yes. Uh, the the um, uh, the the wonderful work that uh, depicts the spirit of Peel and Windwear, uh, whose body was recovered when a, a policeman who executed her, uh, she was in Kontowisi's work commander, she was captured, uh, she was tortured, she wouldn't give any names away, and, and a gun was put to her head. And, and her body, when it was discovered, because the policeman owned up to what he'd done, and family were able to get her bones and give her a dignified de- burial and understand how, how she died, how bravely she died. Uh, the, the the artist uh, Judith Mason, listening to the story on on the uh, SAFM, in fact it was, uh, went out and she'd heard that the body was naked except for a little bit of plastic covering her, her pubic area, and she sewed this dress. Uh, of plastic for my sister, uh, who, who uh, the way she put it in a little poem she wrote on the dress, uh, covered herself. It was such a commonsensical housewifely thing to do, uh, to cover her nakedness, and they didn't strip you a second time. Uh, and and she made the dress and did a painting. And I was shown the picture and I said, Judith, we don't have any funding, but we would love to have this for our court. I was able to get a few grand from our pocket. She said, please, it would be an honor to have it in the court. Uh, and But I said, it's so hard. And the Truth Commission got somewhere. Can't you do something a bit softer? And she did something a bit softer. I said, that's too soft. Uh, there's still a lot of pain in our country. She said, take them all. So that we now had three pieces, the dress hanging, the one picture, the other picture. And this has been used on many book covers. Mm. Uh, and it's as though that spirit of Peel and Wandwe uh, came to rest in, in the court building and in a way was transmuted through the the, the emotion and the skill of the artist in into a very beautiful, resounding image of, of the human spirit with a snarling creature in the background sort of rising above uh, the mayhem of 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 of, of ugly life uh, in, in this country that one stands out and maybe another one as by john beloy uh who who it's called the sentinel and it's just a huge trunk that soars up into the air uh it was called vendor art it's not actually vendor he was i think he was at songa speaking but um uh, that we acquired that when the Law Society of South Africa offered us some pictures for the new court of zebras grazing. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, like boring country club <laughs> pictures. Uh, I said, can you give us some money instead? And I uh, went out and, and found that beautiful sentinel. Maybe these are the two that stand yeah. out uh, the most for me. And you know, Justice, I would urge anyone who's listening that uh, if you want to go and see uh, the artworks in the Constitutional Court, you should absolutely book a trip and book a visit and book a, a walkthrough because it is quite extraordinary what one can see. A, 
But actually, what's also really, really amazing is if you stay and you go to the women's jail, you'll be able to see the Kaiskama uh, weavings, which also talk to our history of our country and our heritage in a completely different way as well. So definitely look out for that one as well. Uh, Justice L.B. Sachs, we are going to go into your second song. Now, I'm going to be kind of cheeky here because you have... um, you have said you're not musical, but you've also said that as South Africans, we could sing better. And I know that in the particular choice of your second song, <laughs> you've said it's a second song I could render myself because I sang it and I changed the word slightly whilst in solitary confinement. So I'm going to challenge you to a couple of words from uh, the second song before we play it. It's Irvin Berlin's I'll Be Loving You Always, but you have said that you changed the um, lyrics uh, rather slightly. I challenge you. That's <laughs> uh, a challenge I'll accept very, very easily. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go back a little bit. My singing career started on the Grand Parade in Cape Town. Every uh, Saturday afternoon, we'd have a meeting, sometimes 50 people, sometimes 5,000, and the singing would start. And here I am, this 17-year-old young white guy. Uh, we used to have music at school. We had to learn songs, and we'd sing along. But now this is the crowd singing and the soprano would start and the basses would come in and the other voices. And now I'm learning and I'm singing songs and I sing the words and often I don't even know what the words mean. My boy, my boy, my boy, Africa. My boy, my boy, my boy, Africa. And I'm learning to sing Come Back Africa. And then we would sing Senzenina, 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 Senzenina. What have we done? And and it's you know it was so much so meaningful for me because I'm joining in the people's struggle uh, and and I'm joining in with my voice and 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 I'm feeling lifted by by joining in uh, and the songs were very sad, mostly sad songs, and suddenly it's the Defiance campaign, Dr. Morocco, Dr. Dadhu, J.B. Marks, the tiny labor puppy, volunteers obey the orders, be ready for the action now, volunteers obey the orders. And that's a new kind of song that's affirmative, and that's when I joined the Defiance Unjust Laws campaign. And then some years later, now I'm in solitary confinement, and, and there's nothing to do. You step, your toes, the wall, the wall, your toes, your toes, the wall, and three minutes have passed, and you're there indefinitely. And so I, I would sing, da-da-da-da, Beethoven, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then instead of, I'll be loving you always with a love that's true always, I started singing. I'll be living here always, year after year, always. In this little cell that I know so well, I'll be living swell always, always. And I twirl around waltzing and feel amused that Noel Coward had picked up the song for this blithe spirit put on at the West End in London 
is now that song is now keeping up the spirits of this revolutionary i suppose i considered myself at the time uh be staying in always keeping up my chin always not for but an hour not for but a week not for 90 days but always of course Irving Berlin's I'll Be Loving You Always and uh, I must say the version we heard by Justice Albi Sachs is uh, one that uh, really does bring a smile on my face even given the extraordinary difficult circumstances. Albi I want to play um, a voice note for you for one, from one of our listeners. Um, we talk about the difficult circumstances that uh, you have over time been involved in and experienced as a human rights and anti-apartheid activist. I'll play the voice note. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Michelle. And your guest, Judge Sachs. Thank you very much, Michelle, for hosting that uh, man. Oh, man. So lovely to hear his voice. I love his spirit. Actually, I'm reminded in 1984, if I'm correct, when he was in Mozambique there, when a car bomb went off and uh, which nearly killed him. Man, I I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried. But I'm so happy that uh, Judge Sex is alive this is our other Mandela. He has got such a, a good spirit. He forgave those people whom he, who tried his life. Oh, man, Michelle, say Mwah! to judge sex for me. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. This is Kay Henberia. Thank you so much to Kay. Justice Albi, I'm going to hold your comment on that because I want to go 
actually to the poem that Philippa Yard de Villiers has sent us. It's not about the same period, but it talks about times of conflict. And I think that that is a journey, whether it is conflict past um, or conflict present. Um, I'd like to maybe just use that as the link. This poem was composed last year in the wake of the protests that tore our country apart and impoverished KZN. Homo sum. Separation is an illusion that benefits no one but the sowers of terror. In freedom's house, two dogs reside, one called fear, one called love. Which one is stronger? The one that you feed? I've never tried to pass a medical exam, but I understand service. A doctor has restored health. A teacher has fed wealth, growing people beyond their wildest imagining. Like Terence, the Roman slave, I insist nothing human is alien to me. I refuse the destiny of slavery, strum the cords that bind me to the unchangeable Protean troth that we are human and capable of much, but I too stand amazed as human destructiveness and pain plunges a dagger into the beggar's remaining eye and calls it protest. Such wounding can't be wished away. They say the eye is less vital than the heart. If we can feel as well as we can see, perhaps we'll be free. A blind man once showed me the way to make sound into a map. Listening with his heart, Yonela Mnana walked from Limpopo all the way to outer space. He speeds through darkness, a comet, and I wonder how he turns himself into a star, still bright a thousand years from now. And the artist who brought him to the bank of his burning river, artists burning flowers that cool the mind. Zuma, you claim to be human as an excuse, and we forgave you. Also human is the desperate mother, unable to get formula for three days, trying to sleep in a house torn apart by a baby's ravenous cries. In your name, an army is preparing a harvest of new orphans. Meanwhile, humans wearing stethoscopes will life to return. Painters draw out the demons and nurses speak in gentle voices to quiet the hideous fear. Homo sum. Separation is an illusion that benefits no one but the sowers of fear. We feed the dog called love. Lend us your ears. Lend us your ears. And that's the poet, Philippa Ya de Villiers. It seems appropriate we are talking about what it means to be human and indeed what it means to be um, involved in human rights as well, given that our guest is Justice Albie Sachs. We're going to go to a break and when we come back, we'll take this forward. The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. Our guest is Justice Albie Sachs, and uh, we're going to be going in a short while to this extraordinary achievement, lifetime achievement that he has been awarded, amongst, I have to say, millions of others. And uh, Albie, if I may, I'm going to just read a couple of messages from some of our listeners. This is from Tsukola Mofakeng in Valkom, saying, what an extraordinary human being you have as a guest. It has always amazed me how some white people could transcend the color line, like Justice Albie and yourself, and dedicate yourself to making 
making South Africa a better place to live in for your fellow people and fellow black people. I wish we could all have the undying spirit of Justice Albi. Then... Um, Someone, Sibusisu uh, in Kabeja says, please could you ask our honorable guest, it is a random question, but please ask him, during his lifetime so far, what's the secret he has learnt about life? And finally, Judy says, thank you so much. I'm listening to this interview with a soaring heart and tears in my eyes. Justice, uh, you know, I, it all links together because when I listen to uh, the poem by Philippa, the earlier comment by one of our listeners as he uh, spoke about how he was in tears when he heard of the bombing. When I listened to Judy saying she has tears in her eyes now, it is this concept of what makes us human. There is, there is humanity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're human. And I wonder what the difference is for you to be human, but also to be part of humanity. Well, we are part of humanity, and I suppose the, the key is to acknowledge that, accept that, and get the the joy and the uncertainty and the um, the vibe, I suppose, that <laughs> comes from linking up with, with fellow human beings. Uh, and, and so much of our culture separates us, uh, tells us to be egotistical and uh, push other people away. And I suppose we have to try and make those things crumble and, and just affirm ourselves more. Uh, th there's a phrase I love using, and I'll bring it in, because it, to some extent, responds to the question of uh, what's my secret. I, I don't know that there is any secret. Uh, I know it's something that we saw in, in action in people like uh, Walter Susulu and Albertina Susulu and, and uh, uh, Nelson Mandela uh, and uh, Tenji uh, and Tenso and so many others. It, it's a quality that that's not specific to uh, a, a race or an age or a language. Uh, it's just something that lots of people have. Uh, and in our struggle, we had lots and lots of people like that. And but not everybody, because we also had people who were mean, uh, who were harsh, who were ambitious. Uh, but the phrase that I love using now uh, and i'll share it with the listeners is we are told to follow our dreams uh, and i'm saying no that's not the right way to go when i think of my dreams as a young boy growing up in world war ii my dream was to become a soldier and kill lots of people or maybe to rescue a princess uh, uh, follow your life wherever your life leads you and your dreams will follow you. For me, Summer, that's quite important. If, if you start with that dream, you, you're trapped in the dream uh, and, and uh, you're pursuing something that might be completely illusory or false or that belongs to others, you follow your life. You find the affirmation inside yourself. You do the things that you discover you're good at. You link up with other people. You make these discoveries and your dreams follow you. Uh, and I can't, when I look back on my own life, I actually can't believe my life that, uh, and, and it would be a life that in my case uh, has a certain visibility because of, of the public work that I was doing, but a life of equal surprise and, and um, unexpected things that mm. 
millions of our people had, particularly those who were involved in the struggle that took them all over the world, that resulted them in doing things they never imagined they might do, uh, and then making possibly certain discoveries about aptitudes that they had, uh, linking up with others, and, and life then becomes very, very extraordinary and, and, and very rich. I mean, we can talk about an extraordinary and rich life, and uh, I think that leads us perfectly into the affirmation. You talked about affirming ourselves. You have been affirmed, and I'm putting in inverted commas here, again, because many a time uh, people have recognized the extraordinary work that you've done. You've been honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Clooney Foundation for Justice in New York, which is, of course, George and Amal Clooney. The honor is uh, with the Lifetime Achievement Award, but interestingly, that's also the honor is that they have named uh, real social justice awards and justice awards, and they've named them after you, the LB Awards. Tell us how this came about. You, you know, I, I take a deep breath <laughs> uh, because I feel... Well, it, it started off when uh, 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 I met Sonia Sotomayor, U U.S. Supreme Court judge. She came to Cape Town to be in conversation with me uh, at a public lecture, the Rabinowitz Lecture uh, at the University of Cape Town. And she felt we never really managed to get a conversation going properly. Uh, I should come to New York and she would arrange something at NYU, New York University. So. It was set up there. We had a lovely conversation, uh, strong, uh, challenging, uh, interesting. And then she said, could I come round with my wife, Vanessa September, the next night to meet a former law clerk of hers and the law clerk's husband for coffee? <laughs> and I said, sure. And we're there the next night we're in, in her apartment and in walks uh, Amal and George Clooney. So Amal, who's a barrister in, in, in London of Lebanese origin, uh, very, very strong, striking appearance, uh, strong voice, uh, powerful in court, uh, very much committed to, to, to justice, uh, not belonging to the inns of court, uh, the hallowed inns of court, but separate chambers. I think it's the Dowdy Street Chambers. I'm not quite sure of the name. Uh, that deals with rights of, of political prisoners in different parts of the world, of, of immigrants, of asylum seekers, uh, and so on. Uh, and there's George. Uh, and we chat away and we get on very, very well and say goodbye. And she says we'll be in touch. And that's followed up by a series of emails uh, starting off with saying uh, they would like to have uh, an award given to me a lifetime achievement, would I be willing to accept? Uh, and and I said, sure. And then it's followed up by afterwards, well, we're going to give the awards in your name, the LB Sachs Awards, to other people as well. Are you okay with that? I said, that's fine. And finally comes the, the clincher, uh, a longer email, uh, saying that George feels the Lifetime Achievement Award for Justice LB Sachs is very clunky. Can we just call it the LBs? Uh, and and I said, okay. And there was a drawing by George showing a figure with one long arm, one short arm. 
Uh, and I just said I love that idea. I love it. It's kind of whimsical uh, and funny and affirmative. Uh, and 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 I said, okay. So last Thursday night is the actual ceremony. And I'm going to... Uh, in the Justice, Public I'll Library. Be, I'm going to pause you there because we have to go to a break. And I feel like it's almost like a thriller. So if we pause and hold, everybody's going to be... So what happened next? So let's go to the break. The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. An extraordinary interview with our guest, Justice Albie Sachs. Uh, I feel as though we've tread many a road. At the moment, we're talking about uh, the awarding of the Albies, which is the new award by the Clooney Foundation, George and Amal Clooney. And the lifetime achievement of the Albies goes to uh, Justice Albie Sachs. And then, of course, there are other recipients as well. But, Albie, you did have the event, and, of course, we saw you being hugged by none other than Michelle Obama. I mean, it's it's another one of great recognitions to the work that you've done. How did you feel on the night? Well, you know, I felt, and, and I'm glad I have the chance to say this, it was complicated uh, because we didn't do it like ourselves as individuals. We're always part of a team. Uh, and so many people contributed so much. Uh, and, and the way it's suppressing a part of my deep culture, uh, you know, the, the freedom struggle, uh, embodying everybody, and, and you don't want to stand out as an individual. And now I'm being plucked out of, if you like, that, that whole struggle uh, and, and uh, separated uh, from the the intense solidarity that, that we had. Mm. So, so I had to find a way of conveying that uh, graciously because I did feel uh, tremendous warmth to the uh, in, to, to the Clooney's. I supported their project and, and uh, it was fun, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, you feel marvelous and uh, you know, like story-eyed about yourself, that, that was great. So I, I wove it into my presentation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, started off, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to, this is the last, very last one, right at the end of the program. And, and George um, Clooney himself had really choreographed the evening so that every moment counted. It had pulse, it had energy. Uh, there's lots of laughter with John Oliver, the British comedian being the compare, and then deep seriousness for the particular awardees. And now the climax right at the end, and I'm listening to uh, Michelle, and she's speaking so beautifully, and I'm sitting there, I'm spellbound, and I realize, hey, she's talking about me. I've got to step <laughs> out of it. I'm not a listener, and I go up. Uh, and, and a very amusing thing is she's wearing a bright red very strong dress but the background was all red so she like disappeared into the red and i just see this marvelous brown smiling loving face and and i clasp her and and you know the pictures taken and, and that helped me uh, and i mentioned to the audience now it's about 400 people uh, uh meryl streep is there and and uh, julia uh, what's her name is there uh, Bruce Springsteen, lots of prominent figures like that, uh, uh, and 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 I say, 
and I'm picking up now the the Albi and looking at the Albi, uh, and I speak to the Albi and I say, "Hello, Albi." Is something I've got to mention that actually I hesitated for a half of a quarter of a third of a tenth of a nanosecond about accepting the award. I've been an iconoclast all my life and now I'm becoming an icon. What's going on? And I said that hesitation only lasted a tiny fraction and four strong reasons came rushing into my head why I should accept. And the first was, it could have been a Nelson, after Nelson Mandela, or you could have been named Oliver, or you could have been named Griffiths after Griffiths and Hayange, or Victoria after Victoria, all lawyers who gave their lives for the struggle, the last few being assassinated. I said it, it could have been a Dechang, a Suneki, it, it, it could have been and Ishmael Muhammad, so many names you could have had. And maybe I was chosen because I'm still alive and maybe because my trauma is visible. So it's in the name of all these others, uh, I'm very happy to accept the award. And then I said, secondly, most awards, most trophies, if you like, for the awards represent perfection but you represent imperfection. And in a sense, it's an award for all the people who call disabled in the world. Uh, and it's wonderful that you now represent all those people in a very noble and loving way. And then I said, thirdly, it's not the name. Uh, who was Oscar? I did some research and I discovered Oscar was the uncle of somebody from the Motion Academy Awards somebody on that panel who was bald and and she joked and she said it's the Oscar and they said let's call it the Oscar so the name Oscar means nothing and and the name Albi will mean very little in terms of its origin but be important because of all the people who win the Albi like people who win the Oscars they give the Oscars its prominence oh, uh, and I said and finally it's because of the feeling I have for Amal and for George, they are formidable and they are fun. They're very serious about the project. They're very committed to the project, but they do so in an affirmative and lively and spirited way. And so many people involved in human rights work have long faces, they're heavy, they're solemn. And there's, there's a space for shaming and, and naming and shaming for denunciation. But if you're only heavy and solemn and, and, and picking up on the misery and the horror of the world and, and there's no counter spirit of, of affirmation and fun and musicality and positive energy, then there's something lacking in the human rights movement. And, and I found with Amal and George that positivity and, and strength uh, was, was there. And then people stood up and, and, and applauded. And then I said afterwards, and I'd also like to mention uh, Darren Walker of Ford Foundation, who's supporting the project, and Alfrey Woodard, the actress, who sat next to us uh, at, at our table from the Artists for a New South Africa, 
uh, African-American film people who had supported us very much in the struggle days. Uh, and, and I'd be in the office of, of ANSA uh, and I would listen to Sharon Gilman was there and she'd speak about uh, Denzel says he can't come, but Samuel is able to be there and Morgan will send a message uh, and Alfrey, of course, will be there. You know, all these names just tripping off, off, off her tongue and through the, through Alfrey to thank all the American people who over the years supported our struggle very much the African-American community starting, but reaching out to universities, even banks joined in. So in, in that sense, I was able to use my my, my moment there uh, to, to embrace the wider struggle and the wider commitment. And I felt a little less awkward at, at being singled out as an individual. Justice Albisax, unfortunately, we have to leave it at that. We want to say thank you so much messages coming through uh thank you for a wonderful and interesting guest with justice dr lb Sachs. someone else saying um lb Sachs makes me want to be a better person it always happens when i listen to him he's a marvelous man lawrence in somerset um someone saying thank you michelle i've shed tears and laughed out loud this morning and uh, florence also saying wow 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 your interview with dr justice Albi." It all reminds me of how much we should all do and all aspire to in the world. Justice uh, Albi Sachs, Dr. 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 Albi Sachs, you rock. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> it's time. Oh, and Songezo Mabeche says, who's one of our presenters, says, Justice Sachs's boss. I think we can end it on that. It's no longer good morning. It's now goodbye.